Good morning, boys and girls. Today, we'll be learning all about... Doll Crayon. So that was the brand new theme music for the podcast by our good friends, uh, the Green Goblin himself, Jesse Katz, and the friendly Gwen Gallitzer. What did, what did you think of that? I thought it was perfect. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's original. It's totally original. And it's totally by dull two, crayons. Totally dull crayons by two very, very talented recording artists and musicians uh, currently working with uh, No Ice um, out in Brooklyn, pronounced No Ice, No Ice, Noise, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they were given absolutely no direction in that whatsoever. They're just geniuses. But they've I, listened to the podcast. They've listened to the podcast, okay. and they, the podcast is called The Dull Crayons, and that's that's all they had to go on, and just, just utterly genius. Um, so, uh, without further ado, I'd, I'd like to introduce, uh, my co-host this week, or actually I should start by saying we are the Dull Crayons. You are currently in the crayon box. I am, of course, your loyal dullard, Gabriel Zuger, and I'm joined today by... Ellen. Ellen. Ellen is here. Ellen is, um, uh, famously, uh, mother of the pod. Uh, that's right. She is my mother. And I, I want to start off by saying that... There's a, a certain level of discomfort and, and uncomfortableness that I have uh, about you being here, uh, specifically. Um, because in all my life, throughout my life, I've had many friends, um, even girlfriends, who become so charmed by you that they prefer your company to mine. So my fear is that I don't, I don't want the audience to get confused by your glamour and demand that I give you my job. You know, uh, as as it is already, you and the diligent Diana have a uh, have a, a a date scheduled, I believe, for arts and crafts and ukulele that that I'm not going to be invited to. Um, so you can understand why I was a little bit weary to agree to this in the first place. I I understand, but dazzling Diana is just awesome in this you know medium. I, I don't I don't know that I'm not going to steal your thunder. No well, we're, we're we're a judgment free zone, as as you should know. You okay. know, just like Planet Fitness, where or or a classroom, we're judgment free. So we're not gonna, you know, say that you know Tony from the Bronx is our favorite co-host, or that you know nobody nobody beats the Wiz or Julian or you know anything like that. So we would never pit you and Diana. You know, certainly not our two female co-hosts um, up against each other. That. That would just seem sexist and inappropriate in so many regards, um, but yeah, no, she is she is spectacular. We give her full full credo for that, first lady of the pod. Um, but again, I just I fear that uh, you know that that natural charisma that you bring to the table is is gonna wow people. Um, and without further ado, I I do want to also address um, before we go on that uh, you may have noticed a, a short hiatus in the pod. We took a couple of weeks off. We are currently in uh, contract renegotiations here at the Mendelssohn Studios. And, you know, we've got a few new demands given the popularity of the podcast. We're looking uh, for management to make some upgrades um, in their studio. 
And right now, sadly, those are not being met. So we may be breaking contracts soon. There's a lot of things in the works. Um, we will let you know how that will affect your art for the week um, as, as things develop. Uh, that is an ongoing story, and we'll just see what happens there. Um, beyond that, Ellen, you and I were having a conversation the other day because I had come across in, in my school library um, some new uh, Chris Van Allsburg books that I had never seen before. New, new, brand new? New, brand new Chris Van Allsburg books. Oh. And, and Chris is, uh, you know, Chris has been um, a writer and a, an illustrator of children's books for a long time. Um, I can recall being taken to a, a reading uh, that he did once uh, somewhere in New England. Um, you're looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it happened. I, I believe you. I met Chris Van Allsburg. Okay, I, this, I, well, this I believe really you because happened. I know Chris Van Allsburg, so it wouldn't be surprising that you met him. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But I came across some new ones that I was looking at, and I was just, I was just further impressed by you know the 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 length of his tenure at this, and also to me the the influence that he played um, in in children's literature, uh, specifically in the early to mid-90s, right? Where he was coming out with, you know, books like The Polar Express, um, Jumanji, The Widow's Broom, you know, where the, the stories he crafted were incredible and, and the illustrations, of course, were, you know, something to behold that, that others weren't putting that effort into their illustrations. Well, Chris was an artist first and I knew him because we went to the University of Michigan together and in fact, we, we were living in the same house. Uh, my boyfriend was a good friend of his. And he was an amazing artist. He was mostly a sculptor. But his drawings were very, very beautiful and very nostalgic and very sort of soft focus, like the illustrations in Jumanji, mm -hmm. black and white, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of volume charcoal yeah lithography kind of looking yeah and uh i went to the uh actually i went to the whitney yesterday with a friend and saw the grant wood exhibit and when i was looking at grant wood's work which i'd never really fully appreciated i was struck by how chris van allsburg must have been influenced by those some of those works that i didn't so know so similar so similar in their work, right? The way that they do figures, the sort of rounding of the faces. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly And alike. the detail. Mm-hmm. And you said you mentioned the black and white, specifically with Jumanji, but even when he isn't working in black and white, there are others where I feel like it's almost like sepia toned, right? Where he's taking on these, oh, absolutely. like... Yeah. Conti crayon. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. And it's so interesting because nobody's ever considered that, you know, before he did it. Um... But speaking of Chris Van Allsburg, I wanted to talk um, about, you know, another phenomenon that, you know, again, started in the mid-90s when, when he was doing his most prolific writing um, for children, and, but is still going on today, which is the, the constant need by adults, it seems, to recreate, you know, as we know, his most famous work of children's literature. That's right, of course, I'm talking about The Mysterious Fig. We all know that, you know, many, many film adaptations have been made. I'm kidding, of course. It's absolutely Jumanji. Right. We've had so many adaptations of Jumanji now. We have the original in 1995 uh, with Robin Williams and the girl from, uh, the fucking girl from uh, uh, 
the original Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, that's her? That's her. That's oh. the original girl who, you know, eat, famously eats the, like, green jello and is, like, losing her shit over, you know, how fucking hungry she was. Um, and she's been screaming her head off all movie at fucking dinosaurs. Um, and now we have, a, you know, a new one, which I haven't even exposed you to yet, but the, the Jumanji Enter the Jungle. Um, but we did take a moment, a little bit of pre-pro uh, backstage before this recording began, to look at the original 1995 Jumanji trailer, uh, which you claim to not remember that much. Although, uh, to, to break the fourth wall here a little bit, I'll, uh, I'll admit to the audience, your exact words, I believe, were, no wonder Robin Williams killed himself. Because people were putting him in this shit. People were forcing him into these things that were so not him. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, that was like, I, I want to take that back. Okay, anyhow, a little take back. A little take back. Anyhow, it was a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. No, I mean, look, regardless, regardless of the mental health issues, you know, around Robin Williams and why people kill themselves, it was a terrible movie that never should have been foisted upon children of that generation or adults. There was and just how so they could much take wrong that with it. book and mess it up that badly. So, so the book. Could you give us a your re, your remo- remembrance of the book? What does the book entail? Children, their parents are gone. They find this game. It wrecks the house. They find a mysterious game in the house. This is a game that is not something they went to Toys R Us and bought. No, they just they find they it. They just find it in it's, a closet it's ancient somewhere. Ancient looking, right? It's old looking. It's kooky. They open it up. And it wrecks the house. How does it wreck the house? They well, roll the dice. I'm, it I, tells them things. They like lift a card. They read it. And it says like a fog rolls in. And, and a fog, fog literally roll, rolls, rolls in. into the house. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so to me, when I remember reading this story, what, what strikes me is there are some dangerous elements to it. Like there's a moment where a jaguar comes in and, and the jaguar is hanging out in the living room. So they wind up playing in the dining room for the next round, that sort of thing. Um, but there was also, there's a little bit of danger, but more than anything, there was the anxiety of mom and dad coming home and the, ki- and the house being a wreck, right? It was that same anxiety that you have when you watch, like, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead or like right, they any of these shows a, where somebody has a party. Nobody was drinking, nobody <laughs> was doing drugs, but the house was a mess. And it wasn't their fault. That's the other thing, right? They just wanted to play a game. And yet, the house is going to be a fucking disaster because this game came to life. They couldn't control that. They didn't know the consequences of playing this game. They didn't agree to that the way that you agree to it when you're in a John Hughes film and you decide to throw a Sweet 16 party. Right. You agree to have people sleeping on your lawn the next morning. That's the contract. Right. Right. So, then of course the game ends and everything goes back to the way it was. And the parents come home and everything is the same. And it's, it's, it's just a perfect encapsulation of, like, childhood, right? Because it, it, it really gets at, like, just how far pretend can go and, and what games mean to us and what a night without our parents means to us. It's about anxiety. And it's about childhood anxiety <laughs> and generalized anxiety disorder in modern children. Right. Um, but then these movies don't capture it at all. For some reason, like you would, you would think that's a perfect movie. You could easily make that into a 90-minute film for kids, especially given what we have. We made a fucking movie out of the life of Pi. Okay, that's a book that takes place on a boat with a tiger. That's the whole plot. 
They didn't have to do much else than that. So if you can make a movie out of that, you can certainly make a movie where the house becomes a wreck, but it doesn't have to bleed out into the rest of the world, and the rest of the world is destroyed, as in the 1995 Well, version. doesn't it kind of matter who buys your book to make the movie? I mean... Certainly it does. But also, you know, we, we know that people, people who sell their book rights to movies, you know, they can have influence on the product, right? They can be elemental in the in the production or in the in the screenwriting and the in the adapting of it right you have legal authority it depends before you sell it before you sell it you have legal authority to state how much you know of an impact you want to have on it but that's not my point my point is really just they made you know they made a 150 million dollar movie that's a piece of fucking shit that they could have made for five million that would have taken place in a house and didn't need Robin Williams. There's no Robin Williams character in the book right, at all. Right, right. There's no Peter Pan There's, that comes back from right. the fucking jungle the way that he does. It's just two kids. You hire two cute kids and put them in a house with a jaguar. That's your movie right there. And I'm telling you, everybody would be going to see it right now. I guess they didn't think that was exciting enough. All right. So Robin Williams, he <laughs> comes back from the dead too, right? In this movie. He does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and, and Jumanji 3, <laughs> welcome to the city. Um, so we're now going to take a break here, and, and I'm going to unleash upon you, Ellen, the the uh, full-throttle uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, and we will come back with your reaction to this updated version of the movie. Okay. Back in a second. Okay, so we've just taken in the honest trailer version of uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, and... Uh, your thoughts, Lady Ellen. Worst thing I ever saw in my life, and I don't know. They took the name, but that's about it. They took the name, and nothing else seems to be the same from either the uh, from either the book or the first movie, um, which they they sort of allude to in the honest trailer of it. Um, but now this was this was pretty well regarded, I would say, at least for you know sort of summer action movies which did not come out in the summer also it came out in the dead of winter um but you know it's supposed to be actually pretty funny and competently done at least from my understanding now truth be told we full disclosure we have not seen this movie we are simply going by the honest trailer for it and i will never see this movie. <laughs> we will likely never see this i hope movie. that they gave chris a lot of money for the name so the the premise of this one seems to be uh that it's it's the Breakfast Club meets Ready Player One meets Jumanji, um, and the only part of the Jumanji is the title, and that it's in a jungle. And there's at a all. game in there somewhere. There's a game in there somewhere, but that game only reveals to them the game cartridge that they then use to get into this like virtual reality like game system. I don't know. There's no part of it that makes any kind of sense, and. There's some sort of like 13 reasons why element of like of like taking place in a high school and high school kids needing to like learn their true power and like grow up and and change from the nerd or the jock that they already are into something else, you know, vision quest style. I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that it's approaching and not a single one of them is Jumanji. Who went to this movie? I don't know. I mean, that's, teenagers? That's the other thing. What what is what do you suppose the audience was for this movie? It stars Jack Black, 
The Rock and Kevin Hart, who are all adult actors, right? I mean, yeah, they've all also been in, like, kids' movies, I guess. Like, The Rock was in Tooth Fairy, and, like, I don't know, Jack Black has voiced a lot of people in, like, Lego movies and other things. But those are all, you know, adult male actors, and then, like, a couple of uh, teeny bopper girls... Female actors. I, I can't even imagine teenagers being interested in this. I movie. don't. I there. There's zero demographic like associations I can even begin to make with this thing. Would you? Would you assume parents are taking children to it the way no. they took their children to Jumanji 1995? No, I'd sooner take my kid to Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Which we we actually do have a story about about a a family friend taking their child to Pulp Fiction. Not knowing what it was about. Not knowing what the movie was. They took an 11-year-old to Pulp Fiction and uh, left shortly thereafter. That's that's a mistake you don't make twice. That's a pre-internet mistake, by the way. Right, right. That's, that's when no you... No research. Well, if you, if you look at the poster no of Pulp trailers. Fiction, remember the poster of Pulp Fiction. It is just, um, I believe it's, it's uh, what's her name? It's Uma Thurman in, yeah, in right. a black skirt and a black t-shirt. Laying on a bed, eating a lollipop. That is the poster of okay. Pulp Fiction. Wow. What? Wh- First of all, that is not a scene that's in the movie. Right. There is nothing about that in the movie. I don't remember a lollipop. There's no lollipop. She doesn't even have black hair. She has blonde hair, if I recall. Does she have black hair? Wait, yeah, oh, yeah, wait. She maybe she does hair. have black yeah. hair. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah. That's Uma playing against type. Um, but it it's... Uh, it sort of looks, and, and, it's, and it's got fiction in the title. Like, who wouldn't think this is, this is a yeah, kid's movie? Yeah, well, this Jumanji is, I don't know who it's for. Uh, yeah, that is a mystery to all of us. Um, speaking of not knowing who it's for, now, you, you are yourself um, an experienced uh, New York mother, correct? Correct. And you raised two children on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, correct? Correct to now adult children or semi-adult children. Uh, So this next story that I want to bring to your attention um, comes to us from Skillet, um, and it is titled, Breeing is the new bougie way to get high on MDMA. Now, I brought in that very swift transition uh, because the first line opens up. Some middle-class mamas are swapping out their sippy cups of wine for drug-laced cheese plates. According to Metro, breeing is the practice of wrapping MDMA, or molly, in a piece of cheese, eating it, and getting high as fuck with Carol from Book Club. While MDMA has shown promise in terms of PTSD treatment, these ladies are using it to forge stronger, deeper bonds in their friend groups. When interviewed by Metro, one woman explained how her destination dinner parties just aren't cutting it anymore. Wait, what's a destination dinner party? So, my theory, uh, since I have no fucking clue what that term is... You invite somebody to go to Mexico for dinner? It's either that or it's like... I don't know. Is is it not destination enough to just go to a friend's house that you haven't been to in a long time? Or does destination have something to do with what you're serving? Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's a themed dinner party. Maybe. So I mean, I'm I having know. I'm having Mexican night at my house, and the next month you're having Indian Italian. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I never heard of it. Or I don't know. Maybe it's you know. Maybe it's about because again, these are quote unquote middle class mamas. Although we'll we'll get to that in a minute. 
Um, but maybe they're going to like South Carolina for a weekend for a dinner party. I, I don't know. Like short, short hops. I, 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 I don't even know where, how to approach this. Well, you know, you know like, what, a, you know what, a pro- have... you know what a progressive dinner is, right? Yes. You go around your neighborhood. And you, <laughs> you go, and, yeah. I've been to one have when really? I was a child. In oh, the, really? In the like early sixties. I was, well, because, because it's a, it's sort of a suburban thing, no, right? Cause well, I didn't live in any I'm not saying you ever, lived in a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing your, your urban credentials. Okay. <laughs> growing um, up in Detroit, Michigan. Right. I'm just saying. It is yeah, typically it probably, something that you go house to house, not apartment to apartment. Well, right. And in Detroit, right. I lived in a residential neighborhood that wasn't apartment buildings, it was houses. Right. Right. Although, I think that it wasn't people the, the on queens, my block. The queens of Michigan. I think it Michigan. had to do with friends, and maybe there were cars involved in driving <laughs> to different people's houses. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but um, why, why are these women taking drugs? I, I I have no idea. Well, they, they say these are middle-class mamas, but we suspect that these are upper-class mamas who were, you know, at one point hooked on Valium and Quaaludes, right? Well, but to, when these to relieve mamas their anxiety were young of, women, what were they taking? They were taking other kinds of drugs. Absolutely. Right. This is not, no, this is not Val- a chance occurrence. Valium you're talking about is like, you know, 50s and 60s. Stay-at-home moms taking Valium. You think that's 50s and 60s? Yeah. You think that's not happening today? Well, no, I, I didn't think with Valium. I guess with Molly. Ellen, you understand we do have an opioid epidemic out there. That, right. that prescription drugs are made so readily available by even the least competent doctors... And that these are women with money and prestige who are, of course, finding doctors who will write them prescriptions for anything. But Molly's not something you get a prescription. Well, Molly is an illegal (laughs) substance. Right, exactly. It's an illegal narcotic. You know, like level one. I'm not not saying they're getting prescriptions for this. You know, it's dangerous to pick up your children after school when you're that high. Well, like we're saying, they're not doing the picking up. Oh, they okay. they have live-in care that's oh. taking care of okay. the house. The nannies are doing Yeah, that. the nannies are doing all of that. This is this is to alleviate the anxiety of having to, you know, keep up with the Joneses just who they're hanging alive. out with. I mean, yeah, this is just Go to therapy. This is just the boredom of their everyday existence, I think we're saying, and it it just helps to trip with your with your BFF, you know, on the Upper East Side while you're doing it. Friend circle. <laughs> friend, fucking friend I, I circle. I've never heard of a friend circle. I mean, you have friends. I've heard of book groups. I, I yeah, book groups, sewing circles, um, just quilting just days, drink night, just ladies nights. I mean, right. You know, covens. Uh, covens. <laughs> these are these are. These are uh, elite covens. Oh, very, very elite covens, yes. They're doing a, a different kind of sorcery and witchcraft. So it does go on to say here, MDMA certainly does move the conversation into deeper, more intense waters. But Bream may not be the best choice for the recently divorced, widowed, or otherwise heartbroken. That come down can kick your ass, particularly if you live alone. One single lady told Metro that even though she breed over the weekend... She still felt incredibly sad on the Tuesday night after taking it, which is incredibly inconvenient, in my opinion. That, again, coming from the article on Skillet, not from my own ad-libbing. So it's true that breeing, or, sorry, breeing, now I'm using the fucking terminology, um, but that MDMA, like cocaine, 
has a, or ecstasy has a severe come down. So, I mean, unless they're microdosing it to the point that they're eating brie every, every, day. every day, every waking minute, which I also don't suspect they're doing because these are typically the, ki- the types of mommies that I expect to be in soul cycle leggings all day long and spending three to four hours in the gym every day. Um, well, maybe so I don't these expect... are a slightly maybe this is a slightly different group because I don't imagine those people doing drugs. They would do wine o'clock. They would do wine o'clock. Okay, I can't imagine them. So you know, maybe, MDMA. so maybe this is a group that we don't see very much because they're just sort of locked in their rooms, <laughs> coming down maybe off of they MDMA. Maybe don't live in this area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is. Uh, it's it's tough to imagine that this is actually a trend that's taking place, given that we've. We've not seen this in any, you know, popular culture represented anywhere. Um, the way that we know, it's not in Jumanji. The way that we know the abuse of, you know, prescription drugs to be prevalent among this, you know, upper class mother figure. No. No. This ain't a thing. This is not a thing. This no. is a hoax. This is a hoax that Skillet and Metro have. They just wanted to designed. write an article about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a push to legalize MDMA and a sort of shabbily uh covered one at that so we're gonna take a break there when we come back we will have a very special snack report and more from mother of the pod the lady ellen and we'll be back in a minute and we're back with Ellen, mother of the pod, here for a new category in the snack report. This is the candy corner, because if there's anything I love more than candy, it's alliteration. Uh, So this is the candy corner, and for you today, Ellen, I have two favorites of mine growing up, and two classics. I have Warheads, and I have Skittles, but these are with a twist. So the first one is, from the makers of Warheads, comes Hotheads, and these are extreme heat worms. So these are gummy worms, they are covered in sugar, they, they claim to be first sour, then sweet, then the heat. Right, I see that. And they come in three flavors. Yes. Uh, sizzling strawberry, atomic green apple, and fiery watermelon. See, also lovers of alliteration. Atomic apple, sizzling strawberry, and I don't know what happened with watermelon. They gave up there. <laughs> they they um, blew it. Warhead watermelon. I mean, what, you that know. That was obvious. Yeah. I guess that's their name, so they can't really do that. But anyway. Um, and then from Skittles, along the same lines, this is, uh, uh, who knew? This is a new trend in candy. Sweet Heat, Skittles Sweet Heat. These are fruity flavors with a spicy kick. So if you wouldn't mind reading the flavors of this packet. Lemon Spark, Fiery Watermelon, Flaming Orange, Blazing Mango, and Sizzling Strawberry. And again, we have we have Sizzling Strawberry and Fiery Watermelon, which are either copyright infringements or they're owned by the same company and these fools are going to make the same mistake across two different brands we have yet to see so we now take a I try think the packaging i just have to say is a little on the scary side uh, uh, uh sp- talk to which one you're talking about right now well i was thinking that i liked the skittles package much better than the warheads package which 
hotheads is like, I can't stand it. But it, it's a little frightening looking. You Can know, you describe it's, it's the black, Skittles packaging? It's got a black, really a black background, and there are flames coming. Licking off of the rainbow. Exactly. Flames yes. licking off of the Skittles rainbow. It's, I, I will say, it's an intimidating packaging. It's, it, it seems to be marketed for men. I will say that. Because, you know, the black background, it's definitely not for kids. Kids are, would be much more attracted to the Warheads package which is shiny yellow and pink. True. Um, but this this is definitely what we would maybe call an adult candy. Sort of in the in the category of uh, you know rum chocolate, you know, <laughs> or rum drops or whatever rum, rum balls. After dinner mints. Yeah, after dinner mints. Um, so which one would you like to try? I'll first? try a Skittle. Okay, so we're gonna try the Skittles first. Now, are you particular to which flavor you I'm try? I'm just gonna reach in and get. Okay, you're just something. gonna go in and get something. What is that? Okay, okay. so it looks like you have a sizzling strawberry. It looks like you have both sizzling strawberries, so go for that. Well, I guess I'm sort of feeling the heat. Okay. Yeah. Sort of feeling the heat. Not an appealing. But you feel unimpressed and sort of. Well, I mean, I don't want candy to burn my mouth. Okay, try blazing mango because if nothing else, mango should be an appealing flavor. This is doing so nothing for me. I don't want to. I don't want to eat. This is not a candy I want to eat. Not a candy she wants to eat. No. Even even though it's Skittle, it's a classic. Oh, now she's feeling something. What? No, I mean it's like. I feel the spiciness, and this is not what candy should be. Okay, okay, a very, a very excellently made point. You feel the spiciness, and it's not what candy... <coughs> See? <laughs> I'm literally choking from... Because you feel the spice just in the back of your tongue. You just sweet up front, spicy in your fucking throat, like you're having an allergic reaction I, to I, something. I, I hope they're filming the people who are picking up this package okay i i have now pulled from hotheads a a sizzling strawberry and a fiery watermelon which one would you like to try that's strawberry i think really i don't know there's no there's no indicator they they need a legend they need a legend the way that skittles does but they don't have it well i'm gonna try it all right she's gonna try the red one all right we're trying red together Well, it's definitely sour. Now, this I already like better texture-wise. Me too. I love the worm. The worm feels good. It's... Oh, my, now, the, now the heat is starting. <laughs> and now the heat gets her. Sour, sweet, then the heat. That's right. That's right. But you're left with the heat. It's disgusting. <laughs> and it's miserable. It's supposed to be candy. I can't even finish that. Well, the thing... I, and the thing, too, I think, that they're not realizing is <gasps> that... You don't eat candy to be abused, right? I mean, and if when you, want... you when you when you eat salsa, when you eat something hot, you need something to cool it down afterwards, right? right? You 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 have some cheese with it, you have some this, you have some milk, you have whatever, you know, you have a drink of water, whatever. But when you eat candy, you're not prepared for that. You just want the experience of candy. You don't then want to mask the experience of candy by having a palate cleanser afterwards. You don't need a palate cleanser. Also, it's motherfucking candy. A dip has the, the chip with it, too. So it's it's more complex flavors. This is this is just a nightmare. 
So this is you would you would say this is a bad trend that candy is headed towards. I'm not right gonna now. buy it for Halloween. <laughs> Definitely not buying it for Halloween. So uh, the the Wrigley Company, uh, which produces Skittles, and I'm going to assume also produces uh, Warheads, or it seems like this is manufactured by Impact Confections. You guys done done it wrong. Um, but is this a trend? Are there other hot candies like Ellen, this? Ellen, I just presented you with two hot candies in different packaging. Are candies I, not selling well anymore? I, I think that I think that they assume they need to innovate the way that everything feels they need to innovate. That that classics can't be classics and that well made can't be just what it is anymore. And that right there brings us to the two thousand eighteen Toy Fair. So we had an insider uh, for those of you that don't know, the 2018 Toy Fair, like all uh, toy fairs, takes place um, here in New York City, in the Isle of Manhattan, um, and is where toy makers such as Mattel and others uh, showcase their latest toys, their hot toys, that are set to hit the markets and just change the way that people buy toys uh, and play with things in general. This year's fair was held uh, in the month of February. And we, we had an inside track to go, and then uh, Julian and I both came down with the flu. Nobody could make it, and so instead we're getting our news of it and, and of the current trends in toy making from uh, Yahoo Entertainment, unfortunately. Um, however, don't, don't be fooled. We will be there next year, uh, so get ready, toy, toy Fair of 2019. Um, so I'd like to discuss with you, Ellen, uh, this year's toy trends. Now, you you are a self-proclaimed expert in toys because you've seen generations of toys and toy trends happen before your very eyes from your own childhood growing up in the 60s and 70s. No, no, I was an adult in the 70s. Okay, you were an the adult. 50s and 50s 60s. 50s and 60s. Uh, back playing with stick and hoop, right, and jacks and fifty two pickup and fifty two pickup and shocks when when dolls. shock was a big invention and Barbies and bubbles and Barbie, um, all the way into the eighties and nineties when your own children were growing up, right? Yes, I made many trips to Kitty City. Many trips to Kitty City, Toys R Us. Toys R Us. Um, there was uh, once a, a famed uh, escapade at the the uh, pharmacy loves the now defunct pharmacy of loves to purchase a green ranger from the window display i don't remember this oh so green ranger uh the loves across know, the street from us the loves across the street from us as you know green ranger was the the outcast ranger oh, right there were yeah, the five yeah. there were the five power rangers and then there was green ranger mm -hmm. right and he became the most beloved character on the original power rangers to the point where his toys could not be found in any department store. Um, and we located one, or I should say I located one, keen eye that I have, uh, walking home one day in the window display of the loves across the street from where, we, where I grew up. We went in and spoke to them, and it turned out that somebody else had already laid claim to the Green uh. Power Ranger. So sad. So they declared to us that if that person were to not come exactly 15 days from that meeting, then 
the green Power Ranger would be ours to to own. Did you own it? I don't recall. No. It it's not really relevant whether <laughs> I owned it or not. It just matters how much people cared about individual action figures at that time, um, specifically myself. Anyway, again, that brings us to the trends and innovations in, in toys today. So you and I just took in a couple of videos about what took place at the toy fair and what were your impressions of those videos? Uh, honestly, I just really think it's sad. I know this is going to sound really corny and old-fashioned, but, you know, every kids, do, they don't need all this crap that they've got now at the toy fair. I mean, this new and innovative, why... If a toy is a classic and it's good, why does it have to keep being remade? They're remaking them because they're marketing them with movies that are coming out and all kinds of other stuff. But, you know, like blocks, crayons, dolls, board games, and, you know, figures. Okay, I must admit that I do because I'm a big doll lover and I had sons. So action figures, I have a special feeling for. Okay, so you, you mentioned a few things there that I wanna I wanna piece apart. So one thing you said was crayons, and of course we are the doll crayons, so we're we're keen on crayons. Um, but crayons we would classify as an arts and crafts material, correct? Right, but it's something that you play with. Well but this is I think this is where a, a distinction needs to be made because and Julian and I had this discussion regarding the toy I hall of fame. This. I remember right this. in that you know, there are toys and then there are things that you play with that aren't toys. And that, to me, is a different thing. So you mentioned yeah, I agree. you mentioned crayons, and we saw in the videos we watched, we saw some, like, funky tape, right? Right. You know, tape, you know, it's funky duct tape that you use around the house. To decorate you know, crafts, things, to decorate, whatever. crafts things. That, that sort of thing, that, again, to me, is arts and crafts. And then you mentioned blocks. And blocks, blocks, I will say, are a toy. But they are... I don't know, there's something about them that is a separate category of toy to me, right? Because they, you, you one, you, you just buy a set of blocks, right? So you're never going to buy re-ups of blocks, right? There's no market, frankly, there's no market for blocks at the toy fair because you can't come out with a Black Panther version of Exactly, blocks. you can't. You can't come out with an Iron Man version of right. blocks the way that you can with these action figures or any of that know. other stuff. <laughs> That's right, Carolyn Pratt's famous unit block, now brought to you by Marvel. Um, get the Thanos Unlimited version. Anyway, so there, I think there's a distinction to be made. And then, and then for me, what, what it comes down to is also this technological aspect to it, right? Right. Because that's definitely the thing that we're seeing a lot. And some of the developers want to tell us that, like, oh, we're going back to basics, and it's all about collectibles and figures. Bull fucking shit. Every toy we saw in those videos moved, made sounds, lit up. And they were or, very colorful. <clears throat> yeah, and, and they pieces. were bright as shit and, and did something that they didn't just do in the package. This is beyond batteries not included. This is, you know, comes in Ikea pieces and your child needs to put it together over a seven-day, you know, weekend. But you know what? There was like a new version, a really pumped-up version of a Transformer, basically. Okay. What was wrong with Transformers? <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> wrong with Transformers. I mean, they were big Transformers. In and fact... And they were small Transformers. In fact... But a child manipulated them 
him or herself. I'm so glad you brought up Transformers because Transformers to me is the height of innovation that toys need to take. That's the peak. You don't need to go any farther than you bought a toy, but it's not just one toy. It's actually three toys, and without even looking at a manual, you can figure out how to change it into those other versions. That's right. That's it. That's all you need to do. There's no improvement to be made on the Transformer. I Well, they haven't really... I mean, Barbie dolls were in this, too, and even though they have... They accessorize her differently, and she has a new stylist, it's a doll. Right. A doll is a doll. Right. The other thing that, that we see a lot of, and this goes back to the technology aspect, is we see a lot of coding. Because I don't I don't think kids are fucking going goo-goo-ga-ga for coding. There's not a kid at home that's saying, I want coding the way that when I was growing up, I would say, buy me that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle this fucking minute. But parents want to hear the word coding in everything. And they want to see coding in everything because it's STEM. And to me... That would be more appropriate at some fucking STEM conference than it would, and, and, and for for teachers and like school administrators than it would be for a toy convention. Like, don't nobody want any of these coding things that you know? Again, take seventeen hours to program, and then all they do is drive around the living room. If I wanted an RC car, I'd buy an RC car. I wouldn't build an RC car and then write the binary code that runs it. It, it, it doesn't look like fun to me. It looks like torture. <laughs> Again, it looks like more school. And, I, and there was a woman who said that it took her and her husband a whole day to put it together. So it wasn't even their child that was doing it. And, and, and she was also the like marketing guru at the place. And she admitted And she's that. marketing it as, I took 48 hours to put this together with two adult brains. So, no no go on coding. Um, but uh, we're now going to take a quick slideshow look. Um, here, again, uh, I am Gabriel, brought to you uh, with my co-host today, uh, mother of the pod, Ellen. We're going to take a quick look from Yahoo Entertainment at some slides of toys that are, are pumped to hit the markets from the 2018 Toy Fair. So, this on the screen, a Lego Millennium Falcon. Get ready to hit in the, be hit in the motherfucking face with a lot of Star Wars because Star Wars is coming out with a movie every year for the rest of your fucking life now that Disney owns it. And they are going to be pumping Star Wars in every single way that they can. So here we have Lego Millennium Falcon. Looks pretty good, right? Yeah. How about other Millennium Falcon? That, that looks good too. <laughs> looks fine too. I think too. I have one in a closet somewhere. We do have a Millennium Falcon. How about a... Chewbacca that, that Chewbacca dances. is scary. It looks like a che- dog would eat it. <laughs> it does look like a dog would eat it. It also reminds, it's reminiscent of a dancing like Santa Claus figure in a department store. Yeah. Uh, it's, how, well, how tall is it really? It looked about a foot tall maybe. These are really good action Absolutely. figures. Absolutely. Well, Star Wars is famous for their action figures and, and their collectible value is true. So... You know, action, again, big family of action figures here. So we're looking at some great Star Wars action figures. We've got to have a Star Wars Nerf gun um, in honor of Han Solo, of course. And some other Star Wars play sets featuring Jabba the Hutt. 
You oh know. my god. Now, why anybody would want an action figure of Jabba the Hutt, who is the most immobile character in all of cinema history. And is so unattractive and doesn't have any cool weapons. <laughs> no weapon. Well, Jabba doesn't do anything. Jabba sits there and jaws at people Ooh. and then, like, eats worms. Like, there's nothing... Maybe he'd like some of the extreme heat worms. He might like extreme heat worms. So we've now gone through about 20 slides, and only now are we into the next theme, which is... Incredibles 2. Mm. Again, Disney. We're seeing Disney is just kicking it out there. They're pretty cute. Incredibles everywhere. Well, and Incredibles are a great franchise. Mm -hmm. And now we're into the Marvel, which is just another facet of Disney. We've got new Ant-Man action figures, new Thor. We've got the Thanos gauntlet that nobody really wants. Um, Yeah, Black Panther everything. Black everything, Black Panther everything. Doing it big, Disney. And then we have Mr. Well, Potato well, Heads. But this is a new Mr. Potato Head? Well, these are Marvel Mr. Potato Heads. So that's a Hulk Potato Head. That is weird. It's very strange looking. I remember when it you, looks you trippy. made Mr. Potato Head out of a real potato. <laughs> <laughs> so you would buy the accessories yes. to the Potato you Head and you would just buy a potato stick at a the hat grocery on store? It, stick eyes on it. It was like really old school. That's really old school. Primitive, in that's, fact. <laughs> that's that's Stone Age uh, technology, toy technology. There. Yeah, it's the opposite of innovation, uh, but pretty great. Uh, and then, of course, Jurassic World. So the other thing, it's all movie based, right? All of culture is you know movie action movies, even if they're not kids movies. Which none of these things that we've talked about so far, Star Wars. Black Panther, Marvel, or Jurassic Park Lost World, none of these things are made for kids or even marketed towards kids. They're really all either nostalgia-based for, you know, 30-somethings like myself, or they're just straight-up adult culture like Deadpool. There should actually be action figures for Pulp Fiction or The Godfather. (laughs) There are action. (laughs) Ellen, I have an action figure. Yes, I have an action figure of... um, Ugh, of uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character in Pulp Fiction. Oh my goodness, I had no idea. We also have Clerks action figures. Oh, that's true. You do remember yes, those. Yes, those I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they actually said inappropriate things if you pulled the string on the back right. of Right, you know, they were fun. <laughs> they were good. And they came with packs of cigarettes and, like, blunt lighters. Yeah. Like, there's nothing unappealing about that. Um, we've got the play sets. Now, this Batman play set here... This is a uh, this is the Imaginex DC Super Friends Wayne Manor Batcave. This is maybe the worst Batcave I've ever seen. It just looks like a facade, anyway. I mean, like it's there's no depth there's to no it. Depth. There's no there's nowhere to actually play with the toy. It looks like just sort of a front and a back, and that's it. Well, I guess it wraps around the side there, but it's it doesn't look like a lot of fun. No. Um, and now we're into some collectibles. We've got some Harry Potter, some canes. We've got some Deadpool, Deadpool Monopoly. Again, not for kids. There And there, there was mention in the video of there being an entire, you know, undercurrent of adult toys mm-hmm. at this year's Toy Fair. So mm-hmm. we know that, you know, toys are definitely making a push into the adult realm, you know, with, uh, you know, bar games and things like Cards Against Humanity um, and again, just as I mentioned earlier, the nostalgia market for people. Right. 
Um, we have some Ghostbusters coming up, and also uh, their spin-off, the uh, figurines from this year's Stranger Things in Ghostbuster garb. Oh, I quit watching Stranger Things, but the action figures are kind of nice looking. <laughs> Again, big, big fans of action figures. So, Ellen, it's safe to say that you were unimpressed with the 2018 crop of toys. Is that correct? I, I wouldn't buy a single one. You wouldn't buy a single one? No. Now I would like to present you with, with a game, a game that we're coming up with here on the spot. And okay. this is going to be a game called, uh, this is Ellen, uh, This Is Your Life. Really? You know, I don't like games. Okay, you hate games. Famously hate games. Famously hate games. This is Ellen, This Is Your Life. In this version of Ellen, This Is Your Life, you just said you wouldn't have bought any of those toys. I'm going to present you with toys you did buy. Okay. And we're going to see if you would still buy these toys today and why exactly you would buy them. So I'm now showing you the first toy. Would you describe the toy for the folks at home? So this is a Ninja Turtle, but not an original Ninja Turtle. What, what? If I would describe it, it would be the Flava Flav version of Michelangelo. I actually bought this? You actually bought this. You must have begged me for it. <laughs> I certainly must have. Uh, he's wearing a big-ass clock around his neck, like a necklace. He's got a turntable on his hip. Uh, he appears to be holding some sort of skull and crossbones type weapon. I thought this weapon. was like an old school, you know, CD player. <laughs> Maybe it's a Walkman. He's got speakers on the back. Oh, yeah, speakers. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, he's got his hat well, turned you know, sideways I might like still, I might still buy him because if I was collecting Ninja Turtle memorabilia. <laughs> Which we were. And we were, so that's why we bought that. Okay, one. how about this Ninja Turtle? I definitely Turtle. remember buying this one. So tell us about this one. Well, this Ninja Turtle is in a basketball outfit. Just a basketball well, outfit? I don't know who number 23 is. You don't know who number 23 wearing the red would no, be? No, Well, that's Michael Jordan's number. Oh, okay, And Michael okay. Jordan's jersey in turtle fashion on Donatello. Well, he looks really good. He looks amazing. I, I, but and he, he came with a, a basketball. Ball. Yes, right, you okay. can see that he can palm a basketball yes, yes. as that figure. And and in the, in the sports theme, we also have... Um, a football player. No, nope, this is look what at is, look at his oh, shoes. Oh, sorry, hockey. Hockey. We got a hockey. He's wearing hockey. hockey skates. These skates are really nice. The skates are really Leonardo nice. Leonardo on skates. Now, oh, but if who you, is that supposed to be? Okay, so it's ninety nine. That would be Wayne Gretzky. Okay. And if you twist his body and press a button. Oh, he he his hockey stick. He he actually you know. He hits a slap shot. Whatever. He you twists say. and hits whatever, a slap shot. Whatever you call it. It's ingenious. But we don't have that thing anymore. We don't have the stick anymore. Okay. Yes. Um, so these did these come as a set? Do you think? I think we bought these all individually. These are all <laughs> these are all individual. Purposes. Are they worth anything? Uh, not out of the box. <laughs> um, sadly, uh, describe this one for us. Uh, yet another Ninja Turtle in. They're all going to be Ninja Turtles for the record. These are coming out of the Ninja Turtles box that Wait, I pulled from the closet. Wait, but this is a Ninja Turtle wearing like a dirty old man raincoat. <laughs> Okay, a continue. Detective, detective yes, this Ninja is Turtle. this is Gumshoe Donatello. Oh, Come on, he's wearing like a, a a a Jack Spade, you know, type trench coat and hat. Right, and he's got a knife, and is this like body armor or something? That's his shell. Oh, oh. He's a turtle. <laughs> he's, he's a, a turtle. He's a fucking oh, teenage yeah, actually, turtle. Actually, I see that you see their shells. You on can see the shells in all yeah. of them. Yes. Uh, how about, how about this guy? Now, this guy feels very dated at this point. 
uh, Team Turtle. I I don't know. I don't have a clue. What does he have on his back? A Gatorade? A water bottle. <laughs> He's got, he looks like he has a hamster's he, water bottle on the back. It's huge. <laughs> I mean, I really don't know what he... Is he going on a bike ride? Is that his chain for his yeah, bike? Yeah, I think he's training. I think he's he, running around the reservoir. That... What is that? That is a walk. That's a Walkman. He that does is a, have a walk. That oh my God! A, that's with exactly little, why I gave him to you. Yes, oh he's wearing God. headphones and a Walkman. He's, oh, he's got his jogging. bike train. Okay, he's yeah. jogging and he's got a water bottle. Yeah, he's even wearing little sport gloves. You can see they're little fingerless gloves on his three-fingered oh, uh, hand. Mutant, yes. <laughs> mutant turtle hand. And lastly, I present you with. Uh, is this a, a happy? It's a party turtle. Yeah. He's eating pizza. Oh, I love this one. You had a very nice uh, um, Ninja Turtle birthday party, pizza party. That's right. I had a, I had a Ninja Turtle birthday cake, in fact. Yes. Um, so he's he's got this nice happy birthday belt, and he's got a birthday hat on, and pizza. I mean, he's, he's pretty basic. He's pretty basic. Now, here's the but thing. what's that? I don't know. There's oh. something on the back that we're not sure of. Oh, I think if you blow in him, he might make noise. He he's does. like a kazoo. Yeah. If you blow in him, he's like a kazoo. So he's pretty basic, and I can recall him being one of my favorites, as with all of these. And the the simple point that I want to make here is that, to me, nobody did it better than Ninja Turtles. Nobody did marketing better than Ninja Turtles in the 90s. And the, and the, 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 the fact is clear you didn't have to change them or innovate. The fact that that one made noise, I didn't even know until I was 30, okay? I didn't know he made noise when I was a kid. It wasn't important. What was important was he's holding a fucking slice of pizza and wearing a party hat, and he looks cool as shit. And his pizza is very appealing looking, and it sort of The Donatello wearing a Jordan jersey? I don't give a fuck that he had a basketball. He's Donatello wearing a Jordan jersey. All you have to do is change them even so slightly. That's it. It's just about like a little bit of kitsch, a little bit of something to, you know, a little bit of campiness. It's not this this notion of innovation that we have to change toys, you know, this $26 billion market or whatever. You know, it's become this, you know, competitive marketplace thing. And it's like, no, doesn't yeah, even need to be Yeah, but if you gave this, the, these Ninja Turtles to five-year-olds right now... Would they enjoy them, or would they not know what they were? Let me ask to? you. Let me ask you this, Ellen. Have you ever let any youngsters play with my old toys that you've kept at home? Yes, they love them. Oh, they've been entertained by them. Yes, very. And very. all they've needed to was to just open up a box of toys of Gabriel's toys. Yes. And play with them. Yes. And they didn't need batteries or coding or none, any, none of that. Or, or even or even up to date movie references like no. Deadpool. No. They could just be turtles from the nineties. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. So uh, you know, again, I think what we're saying is we're 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 happy that these things are are still coming out and that you know they're still at least making Barbies and Ninja Turtles, but. You know the hoopla over over innovation and and tech is uh, you know whatever, and it also seems like there was a lot of disgustingness at this year's toy fair, a lot of poop related humor, both yeah, for I, adults and kids, which I don't understand at all, and also really nauseating sort of drinking game things marketed to adults, <laughs> not to children. But which again, it's like it's what, like adults don't need don't need a card game to drink. 
We're perfectly fine making up our own drinking games or not. We'll get fucked up. As I said, I'm not a game player, so I I don't like I don't like games. I like toys, but I don't like games. Right. We're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back with more Mother of the Pod Ellen. And we're back. And uh, after the last segment, it it seems that um, Ellen and I have been having uh, more fun, frankly, playing with toys of the past uh, than we have with any of the news articles that we brought up in this episode. Would you say that's true, Ellen? Absolutely. I could just sit here playing with Happy Birthday, Ninja Turtle. Is this who is this one? Leonardo. 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 He's fantastic. Leader of the pack. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to do. In fact, uh, as soon as we're off the air, I'm going to break out the old Star Wars set, and uh, we're going to we're going to rock on with uh, a little gameplay in that. Uh, so that is going to do it for this episode. I do want to thank um, again, Mother of the Pod, Ellen, for being here. Thank you, Ellen. You're very welcome, and thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for for having me, and and uh, for buying all these toys. And for, you. for buying all these toys for me over the past thirty years. Um, we want to thank uh, Jesse Katz and uh, friendly Gwen Gallitzer again for uh, the new theme music. Um, and we want to thank all of you at home for listening. And we hope that you'll join us again. And please write us a review on iTunes. You can uh, tell your friends to subscribe and download the podcast. And you can always write into us at dullcrans at gmail.com. See you next time.